This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Western New York race fans, it's time to crank it up. Start your For the next hour, the airwaves belong to you. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's Fast Track. All right, take a nice big deep breath, buddy. With your host. Let's go out there and have a good day, all right, buddy. Dave Buchanan. Good morning, race fans. 1103 here on WGR Sports Radio 550. And welcome to another edition of WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thank you for listening, as always. As we get into the, uh, well, the stretch run for the Fast Track season, the month of August is just days away. So that means we just have a few shows left here on the 2018 season. Bill's training camp, obviously, getting going. That's another signal that uh, our year is almost done here on WGR is when the Bill's season starts. We are off the air, but we'll be looking forward to handing things off at 12 noon to uh, Nate Geary and Sal Capaccio. It'll be live from Bill's camp, and uh, we'll hand things off to them in less than an hour. we got a great show lined up for you. A great racing weekend all around. You've got nationally and internationally, you've got NASCAR and Pocono, which the race will be here on WGR as soon as Sal and Nate are done at camp. IndyCar is at Mid-Ohio. You've got NHRA out west at Sonoma. F1 was in Hungary this morning. And then locally, a fantastic weekend. Gorgeous uh, weather for the most part. Well, there's some hits and misses, especially yesterday, but for the most part, I think everybody got their shows in. And of course, Friday night was phenomenal with the World of Outlaws at Ransomville. And then last night saw a great show at Lancaster and lots of other tracks uh, putting on good shows for their fans around the region. So just an all around fantastic weekend. And the weather, I mean, yeah, again, spotty showers yesterday, I know, but really, once the rain went through and the wind died down, it was just a gorgeous evening last night and uh, a great day once again today. So, uh, hopefully you've been able to check out some racing this weekend. If not, uh, stay tuned to WGR. We will have today's race from Pocono live here in WGR. Flag to flag coverage coming up again after Sale and Nate are done at Bill's Camp at 2 o'clock for today's uh, Gander Outdoor 400 from the Pocono Raceway. And we're going to go live to Pocono in about 10 minutes as Mike Bagley, one of the Turn announcers from the Motor Racing Network will join us live from the Tricky Triangle in Long Pond, Pennsylvania, and we'll get a live update this morning from Pocono, and things looking to be good to go there. No weather issues, I believe, in Pocono today, so the race should be good to go just after 2 o'clock this afternoon, and we'll get to hear from the Bagman and find out what's going on with uh, qualifying yesterday. Uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. But also coming up on today's program, as I said, the World of Outlaws Sprint Cars were at Ransomville on Friday night, and you'll hear from the top two finishers from Friday night's A-Main at the Big R, including race winner David Gravel, as he uh, led all 30 laps but had to hold off a hard-charging Brad Sweet in the middle portions of the race. And Brad actually briefly passed David a couple of times for the lead, but David would quickly come back to regain the lead and never lost the lead when they came across the stripe. But as I kind of said to David, it was more like instead of leading all 30 laps, he led about 29 and a half. There was about two corners of the race where he wasn't the leader. But 
Uh, you'll hear from David Gravel, and you'll hear from runner-up Brad Sweet, who drives for Casey Kane Racing, uh, coming up in the middle portion of the program today. So recorded those interviews Friday night in the pit area at Ransomville after the race, but you'll get to hear from them uh, coming up in the middle segment of the show. Right now, though, phone lines are open for you at 803-0550-1-888-550-2550. want to jump in, talk about anything going on in the world of motorsports, NASCAR, IndyCar. Maybe you were at the Outlaw Show Friday night at Ransomville. Uh, what was extra special for me Friday night is I finally got to see an Outlaws race at Ransomville. I never saw them the times they came in the 90s. And then last year, I was there the original date in July, but of course it rained out and they came brought them back in October. But I was, I'd already booked a vacation and I was out of town, so I missed last year's race that uh, Tim Schaefer won. So it was just finally cool to see the, the uh, Outlaws at my home track, one of my home tracks finally. In person, I've seen the Outlaws, you know, at plenty of other places, uh, Schweiken and Fulton and Rolling Wheels, uh, but never saw them at Ranceville until Friday night. So that was a lot of fun just getting to see them uh, at Ranceville on Friday night. But again, 803-0551-888-552-550. You can also find us on Twitter at w, uh, at FastTrack550, that is. Well, almost went to the old Twitter handle there. At FastTrack550, you can send us a tweet there. We're on Facebook, too. Uh, Facebook.com slash WGR Fast Track. But the uh, story of the weekend out of Pocono for the Cup Series is qualifying. And uh, again, these uh, this uh, compounded schedule, condensed schedule, to try and uh, keep the uh, on-track action for the Cup cars to a, to a two-day schedule, just Saturday and Sunday, which is something you'll see next weekend, too, at Watkins Glen, which, of course, will be, be, be live from Watkins Glen next Sunday. Uh, that's the plan, at least for now. Uh, between uh, 10 a.m. and 12 noon next Sunday, we'll be live from Watkins Glen International for the uh, GoBowling.com at the Glen. Uh, the Cup cars qualify on Saturday, and then... Race on Sunday. Of course, last year the Glen tried. They tried qualifying on Sunday morning, but uh, with uh, making it difficult for uh, fan access to the garage on Sunday morning and everything. Um, but that means so the Cup cars. So with the condensed schedule, instead of Friday qualifying, the NASCAR does not do pre-qualifying inspection since it is an impound race. You know, after qualifying on Saturday, the cars are impounded, which means they're in the garage under lock and key, sort of, but. Teams can't work on them after qualifying, so you have to put your race setup in the car for qualifying. You can't make any adjustments. So instead of rolling the cars through inspection and through the OSS system, which is that big black tent they put them in with all the lights and everything to measure them and make sure they're within all the tolerances for the NASCAR templates uh, for the body and everything, they do it after qualifying. They don't scan them before, so the teams go out and qualify and then they go through inspection after qualifying, and then they go into uh, you know lockdown there for until Sunday morning bef- before they're released before the race. Um, and actually, ten cars failed, or excuse me, twelve cars failed post qualifying inspection. This was ridiculous. This was all going on last night after after qualifying, which was uh, after the Xfinity race yesterday. So this was like going on for hours into the night, almost at Pocono last night, like. Four hours after qualifying, uh, you know, seven eight o'clock at night last night, they were still trying to get all the cars through uh, through post qualifying inspection. And twelve cars today are going to the rear of the field uh, for failing post qualifying inspection. And some of them failed it numerous times. In fact, Kevin Harvick and Casey Kane failed three times before they finally got it right. Uh, both of those drivers 
will get some added penalties. Uh, several teams that failed it twice will ha- have crew uh, crew members ejected from the track, where it's usually the car chief that gets ejected. That's part of the uh, the NASCAR rulebook. If you fail uh, qualifying twice, you have a, a crew member ejected from the track, and that was the case for a number of teams. But uh, Harvick and Kane failed it three times, finally got it in on the fourth time, and they'll face some points penalties as well for all that. But, and, and, but not only was it the number, but who was... Uh, who was quanti- uh, who was penalized because when qualifying ended, it was supposed to be Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch on the front row, but when they come to green today, it's actually going to be Daniel Suarez and Denny Hamlin leading the field to green because Harvick and Busch were among the cars that were penalized. It was Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano, Clint Boyer, Clint Boyer Kyle Larson, Ryan Blamey, Blaney, why can't I talk this morning? Eric Almarola, Jimmy Johnson, Paul Menard, Austin Dillon, William Byron, Bubba Wallace, and Casey Kane, all 12 of those cars failed qualifying uh a po- or excuse me failed inspection after qualifying yesterday at Pocono so only 28 cars uh 27 cars that is had their laps recorded and then the, all the other cars will start at the rear of the field but that was just a ridiculous amount of cars to fail post qualifying inspection yesterday uh it's just ridiculous but um i can you know NASCAR has been trying to improve their inspection process they they uh, the the other systems that had come before this, you know, the Hawkeye and all that, uh, with the lasers, you know, everybody criticized it, said, oh, the you know the things are unreliable, and every time you roll it through, it changes. Well, this OSS takes all of that out of the books, and it's not getting any better. Car multiple cars are still failing inspection multiple times on race weekends, especially at these tr- tracks that rely on a lot of aero like Pocono. Uh, it's funny, you know, when, as we we brought up, and I'm sure this will be the case next week too, when they went to Sonoma on the road course, nobody failed inspection at Sonoma because the aero package isn't as important on a road course. And I bet you that's going to be the same story next weekend at Watkins Glen. But here at a track like Pocono, where aero is very important, and they get these cars doing that funny crab walking down the straightaway and everything, trying to set up the rear end to make these cars go faster. Uh, it was it was pretty it's pretty ridiculous with the amount of cars. So it's proof that it's not NASCAR's inspection equipment that's the problem. It's these teams just pushing these limits, and I know they got to do that to to try and win and everything. But it it kind of gives the it doesn't help the sport when you you have these cars. Um, you know, just it just looks bad when you have as many as these cars failing inspection like they did. It's just kind of embarrassing. And the fact that, you know, if you fail inspection after qualifying, you get your time thrown out. But if you fail inspection after the race, you get to keep your keep your finish. I mean, sometimes you you lose points and you have, you know, you can, you know, lose if it's a win. You could have the win taken away uh, where it wouldn't count for playoff points. Um but still technically you're listed as the winner of the race. But it seems like these post-qualifying penalties are a little bit stricter than the post-race penalties at times uh, for some of the teams. So just a ridiculous amount of cars will be going to the rear of the field today. It's going to make the start of the race a whole lot of fun, though, because you've got, you know, some of the best drivers in the sport, including, you know, two of the big three, Bush and Harvick, there starting at the rear of the field. They're going to be coming through like gangbusters. That opening stage is going to be wild today at Pocono, and I'm sure they'll be fanning out four, five, maybe even six wides down that front straightaway uh, on maybe those first couple of laps today at Pocono. So it'll make the first stage very exciting at least, but just ridiculous the amount of cars that failed inspection uh, yesterday. And again, it took several hours. It went till 7, 8 o'clock, just kind of following along on Twitter while I was at Lancaster last night. And just 
just still hearing the reports that so and so has been bounced and this guy's been bounced and they're they're still you know they're going through a second and third time. It was uh, just ridiculous. So when it all shook out, Daniel Suarez getting credit for the pull today. His first career Cup Series pull. Denny Hamlin will join him in row one. The uh, Joe Gibbs party continues with Eric Jones starting third. So Gibbs uh, winding up with the top three spots with one of their other cars, uh, Kyle Busch, getting penalized. Then Brad Keselowski, Jamie McMurray, Chase Elliott, Kurt Busch, Martin Truex, Ryan Newman, and Alex Bowman uh, will be your top ten starters today at Pocono. Uh, one other note, and we're gonna I'm gonna talk to Mike Bagley about this here in just a minute. But uh, I was listening to MRN's uh, qualifying uh, program yesterday on my way to Lancaster, and a lot of drivers remarked about just how different the grip level is at Pocono, just compared to when they were there. Uh, what was it about a month and a half ago, or, or back in the month of June? They they come back this year, and there's or not this year, but this month uh, compared to earlier in, in the season, and it's a lot different. Um, with the handling of the cars compared to the first event at Pocono here in 2018. So, and I wanted to talk about that with Mike Bagley, and well, just in time, he's going to join us right now on the AT&T Hotline from the Motor Racing Network. One of the voices you'll hear on today's broadcast of the Gander Outdoors 400 here in WGR, the Mike Bagley joins us on the line. Bagman, it's Dave Buchanan here in Buffalo. Great to talk to you again. Thanks for having me on, Dave. How are things up there in, um, in the Buffalo region of New York? Things are gorgeous, and uh, it's a gorgeous weekend here in western New York. A lot of race fans uh, looking forward to heading to Watkins Glen next weekend, but we're ready for some racing at the Tricky Triangle today as well, too. And here's the great thing. Weather is not an issue. If there is <laughs> only one issue with the weather, it could be just a tick warmer. But right now we are perfect. We're in the low 70s, low humidity. And there's no rain to be had anywhere near us, so we are good to go today. Well, that is fantastic. Uh, uh, weather always can be a threat there at Pocono, and had to deal with some weather last week in New Hampshire. But great to go uh, green on time this afternoon, just after two o'clock today. And again, you'll hear it right here on WGR, courtesy of the Motor Racing Network. But Bagman was just talking about here in this opening segment just how crazy the penalties were after qualifying. Uh, just uh, you know, NASCAR trying to tighten these cars up with the rule in the OSS system and. And a lot of teams had to, uh, you know, kind of iron out some creases on their cars to to get them through inspection yesterday. Yeah, from what I understand, we had some uh, we had some chassis issues. There were some suspension issues there as well. Um, at the end of the day, though, thirteen guys have to go to the back: Harvick, Logano, Boyer, Larson, Blaney, Almirola, Johnson, Menard, Dylan, Byron, Bubba Wallace, and Casey Kane. I'll go to the back. Now, the interesting thing about that is there are some, and I have the list. You have to pardon me. It's in my phone, but I'm sure that we'll be uh, having it on MRN.com, and you'll get the news later on. We'll hit the air. We'll get into all the specifics. But mm-hmm. you had some guys that failed one time in inspection, and that says you go to the back. We had guys that failed twice. It's like, okay, you go to the back, and you also lose your card sheet. Yep. Then we had some guys that failed three times and more, and you go to the back, you lose your card sheet, mm-hmm. and you also lose 10 points. There is, I believe, one that failed four times. I don't think the rule book goes that deep. Perhaps maybe <laughs> that will be a topic of conversation in an off-season rules summit as we get prepared for 2019. What do you think, Mike? Is it Are, are you okay with the, the teams just trying to, to push the boundaries just to make their cars faster? Or do you think it reaches a point of ridiculousness where these teams really just need to maybe button it up a little bit more, come into the racetrack, and not uh, dragging out this this post-qualifying inspection process? Well, 
this is the interesting thing, and this is where one's perception become one, becomes one, one's reality, is that when you hear about a car failing tech and a car was found to be, quote, unquote, illegal, there's some fans out there that their first reaction is, you know what, boot them out. You know what, not only, you're not getting on the racetrack. Here's the, here's the thing. It's not like it's a gross uh, cheating or a gross running afoul of the books. We're talking about being off by one ten thousand. Mm-hmm. That's like that's not even the width of an eyelash. So it's not like there's malice involved. There's not like sure. that there's some 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 kind of you know uh, sinister scenario that's trying to be played out by a team. Mm-hmm. We are we are inspecting cars by lasers now. I mean, yeah. we don't use tape measures. We use lasers. Yeah, and. You get some teams that, yeah, they're going to go to the edge, and then they're going to go over a ten-thousandth of an inch. <laughs> so that's where it becomes like, you know, the, the rule is the rule, the tolerance is the tolerance, and, hey, you are out of bounds. Well, they got something to take care of that. It's not like, hey, all right, let's brew this up now. Let, let, let's see what we can do. And, you know, they're not soaking tires or running jet fuel or anything like that. <laughs> just that you're so specific now in what's being done that, you know, sometimes you go over a tenth. I mean, did you ever see uh, coming that it would be a ten thousandth of an inch that you would miss inspection by? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I never thought that we would have gotten to this minutest measurement that we have today, but that's what we were dealing with here yesterday. Well, of course, it, it's in the rule book, so NASCAR trying to enforce it. Just a black and white uh, kind of balls and strikes call that NASCAR has to make uh, just to, to keep the uh, playing field level. Uh, despite that, Mike, it's going to make for uh, one heck of an opening uh, segment today at Pocono with all these fast cars at the back of the field. They're going to be fanned out five and six wide down that uh, long pond backstretch today. And also the front stretch, too. They're going to be... Uh... They're going to be trying to make some hay. We were just talking about this in a production meeting a few minutes ago. The, uh, the, the first stage, at least the first stage, has the tendency to become quite chaotic mm-hmm. um, because your fuel window is going to open anywhere between 12 to 14 laps. Uh, the farthest you can go is 38 laps on a tank of fuel. Your first stage is 50 laps. So you're going to have to come to pit road. If I'm towards the front of this field and you've got those boys in the back that are having a problem getting towards the front, mm. and if they go to play some, some unique pitch strategy, I'm going to do everything in my power to pin them a lap down and get them a lap down so they can't get to the front. That probably is going to be one of the only ways you're going to be able to block those guys from getting to the front, getting out front, and pulling away from everybody. I think the cold today, we're going to have a mixture of offense, but I think we're also going to have some defense as well. And I would look for that to bust loose here in the first stage. That's what that's what we discussed, and that's what we've been preparing for this morning. We're going to have probably about two, three, four different pitch strategies going on in, in the in the first stage. So you may see some guys up front that you otherwise may not have, would have seen. So it's shaking up to be or uh, shaking out to be a pretty interesting race. With obviously to go those guys starting at the back, and you got some guys that are needing. Stage points, Daniel Suarez, for instance, he is out of the top 16 mm-hmm. playoff grid picture right now. You can see this guy do some stuff to stay up front today to regain some ground that he's lost and to try to make his way into the top 16. we got a dandy shaping up, is what I'm trying to say. It's going to be a good one here today. We can't wait to get on the air and bring it to you. Uh, Mike, uh, I was listening to the qualifying show yesterday with, that you and the folks from MRN were doing, and a lot of drivers saying that the grip levels at, at Pocono and the track is very different from when they when they were there earlier this year. Uh, it, it's surprising how how different the track conditions appear to be just from listening to the drivers during qualifying. I 
and that's what surprised me because normally when you go from one part of um, when you go from Pocono from one race to another, it's virtually the same, and it's virtually um, one of those things where we don't have a lot of adjustments. But for some reason, this has evolved into, uh, and I heard a handful of drivers say it too. We're dealing with something different now than what we were dealing with when we were here eight weeks ago. That also can play into our favor. You got guys that are trying to figure this out, and that could shake things up as well. I was surprised to hear that, but at the same time, I enjoyed hearing it because when these guys have to do something different, more times than not, it turns out to be an entertaining process for us. Well, last question, Mike. If you had to put the dollars down, would you take the big three, Truex, Bush, and Harvick, or would you take the field today? Wow. Um, see, part of me says the big three is the big three for a reason and will always find their way to the front. Mm. Depending on how this state, you know what? I may take the field today. All right. I think that's what I'm going to do because you're going to see some, or you will hear on the air today, <laughs> some shenanigans that are going to be played out. The fans will obviously see it break loose here in person. I don't know. I think I, I think the old... Uh, I think the old times are going to be tough sledding for the big three today. I think I'm going to take the field. Very good. Are you on the uh, Watkins Glen plan next week? Uh, yes, I will be at the Glen. Can't wait to go up to. I love going to Watkins Glen. I mean, it was just. And here's the great thing about it is they're just about sold out. I mean, yep. they they don't have more. Uh, they don't have many tickets left. Yep. They'll probably sell out this week going in. Every time we go up there, the infield's a blast. Stands are full. The fans are having a great time. And uh, Watkins Glen is one of my favorite stops on the circuit. I can't wait to get there next week. Well, a lot of race fans from Buffalo are going to be headed there. I'll be there doing my show live from the Glen uh, from 10 a.m. to noon. So hopefully uh, we'll see you and some of your friends from the Motor Racing Network up there next Sunday. We'll be there. We'll look forward to seeing you all as well. Thank you so much, Dave. All right, Mike. Have a good call today. Appreciate the time. Thanks, bud. All right, Mike Bagley from the Motor Racing Network. And again, we will uh, join coverage of today's uh, Gander Outdoors 400 from Pocono Raceway right after uh, Sale and Nate are done from Bill's Camp. Uh, it'll be 2 o'clock. You won't miss the race. You'll just miss maybe some of the pre-race show. But uh, Green Flag will be right around 2.30 this afternoon. So you won't miss a lap of the action, just some of the pre-race coverage as uh, Sale and Nate will be live from St. John Fisher. But uh, interesting. Mike going with the field there. I, you know, the Truex, Harvick, Bush, they've been so dominant this year and uh, another uh, battle last week. How about the the finish in New Hampshire last week between Harvick and Bush and, and Harvick getting into Kyle there with uh, what was it, about eight to go and they were battling tooth and nail for the win and uh, another win for those guys six now for Harvick seven if you include the uh, All Star race and uh, uh, interesting Mike going with the field today could happen uh, two of the three starting out back but it's uh, four hundred miles of Pocono a lot of time to get to the front. We'll see how it plays out. When we come back, we will uh, head back to Friday night at the Ranceville Speedway, the World of Outlaw, Craftsman Sprint Cars in town. You'll hear from the top two finishers from Friday night's A-Main, and uh, you'll also hear uh, how the race ended, too. You'll hear that coming up next, and still time for your phone calls, too, at 803-0551, 888-550-2550. We can get back on Fast Track here on WGR. Johnny Gibson, the voice of the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars, and that's how they crossed the line at the Big R Friday night as David Gravel picked up the second annual Big R Outlaw Showdown at the Ranceville Speedway. 
over Brad Sweet, Donnie Schatz, Craig Kinzer, who we had on the show here last Sunday. Craig got his best run of the season, finishing fourth, a big improvement after placing 10th in that race last year, and uh, chatted uh, off the air with Craig after the race. He was real happy with uh, how things turned out for him. Coming home fourth, Logan Schuhart uh, finished fifth, and Tim Schaefer, who won the race last year, placed sixth. Uh, great race, uh, as I said in the opening of the show. David Gravel led every lap, but he and Brad Sweet had some great battles for the lead, including a couple uh, back-and-forth passes with uh, Sweet would get the slide job, but then Gravel would drop to the uh, low side and, and get the pass right back on Sweet. So it was an awesome action up front. Uh, also, a couple wild flips. The opening lap, Pauli uh, Giovanni, who's a regular here in uh, Western and Central New York with sprint car racing, he went over the turn four wall on the opening lap of the race, wound up uh, in uh, just outside the trees there behind turn four at Ransville. He was okay, but a wild scene. Uh, check, uh, Go through back to my Twitter uh, feed on Friday. I, I retweeted the uh, video replay of that, courtesy of Dirt Vision, so check that out. And then on lap four, Darren Pittman, who uh, also drives for Casey Kane Racing, he rolled his sprint car over uh, a couple of times as well, too, but he was okay as well. But a couple of uh, wild flips and then some great battling up front and David Gravel picking up the win at the Big R on Friday night. And with that, we are going to go back to Friday night uh, after the race, and I had a chance to talk to... Both of the top two finishers. So first up, here is race winner David Gravel uh, with myself Friday night at Ransomville. Well, David, congratulations. The, the record will say you led all 30 laps. It might have been 29 and a half tonight because you and Brad Sweet put on a good show for the fans tonight here at the, big, at the Ransomville Speedway. Uh, yeah, Brad uh, slid me a couple times. Luckily, I was able to turn underneath him and uh, get back by him. So... Uh, it was a good race. Uh, lap traffic was definitely interesting, but uh, once he showed his nose, I definitely had to step it up a little bit. How do you handle that when the guy slides you, especially that first time Brad got by you? How do you kind of quickly regroup there and swap lanes to get back around him? Uh, you just try to keep your composure, and you, you know, you've been in that situation before, and uh, you know, just was able to capitalize on it. So uh, luckily there's a lot of moisture on the exits of the corners on the bottom, and I uh, was able to get back by him. Last time you were here was last October, very cold, a little more damp. Much different uh, conditions here today. What did you think of the track compared to the last time you were here? Actually, it was pretty similar. Uh, track stayed pretty wet with a cushion and got a little slicker at the end, but the cushion still was always there, and uh, it was honestly very similar. I thought the sunlight all day, we pretty much raced in the light all the way through uh, till the A main, so uh, track uh, stayed pretty good, and uh, you know, it was fairly racy. It was definitely faster on the top, but uh, you know, if you had her on the bottom, it was okay too. So pretty much, could you, a lot of the notes maybe you got last year were held true today to help set up the car? Yeah, pretty similar. Uh, we ran something a little different, but just things over time change, and uh, you got to stay on top of that. How hard is it when you're leading like that and you get a, you get a couple of red flags like that early in the race? Does that throw off your concentration at all when you got a couple of red flags early in an event? Um, yeah, just uh, I won the first start, and then uh, the red came out, and then we had to do another you know official restart there, and. You know, I thought maybe O'Donnell would change something up and he'll stay ahead of me, but luckily I was to get by him again and, uh, you know, control the race. But, yeah, you don't want to, when you get the lead like that, you don't want any reds to give somebody another shot at you to try and uh, pass you in the first lap. So, luckily it all worked out. Fifth A-main win of the year. Um, just just kind of give us uh, your thoughts on the season so far in general with the Outlaws. 
It's been a good year. Uh, we haven't won the amount of races uh, that I have uh, last year, but it's been a pretty solid year. We're in the same place in points, and uh, you know we got a lot of top fives and top tens. So just got to clean up a couple races, and uh, we'll be good. You know the wins will come. We've been pretty fast here lately. It was in contention at Eldora to win, in contention at Lincoln to win. So uh, glad to be in contention tonight and win, and uh, hopefully get some more. Last thing, uh, you headed to Weedsport on Sunday. When we'll, when you'll hear this, when folks will hear this interview, what do you think about running up at a track like Weedsport? Weedsport's tricky. It's a unique shape. Um, usually a little bit more grip for us when we're there. I saw the All Star race is pretty slick, so we'll see what kind of racetrack we get there. But definitely tough just to get qualified there. It's a place that you. Uh, you got to find the grip, and, and your car's got to be right to qualify good there. So um, I think the last time we raced there, uh, which was, I think, maybe two years ago now because we got rained out last year, I think mm -hmm. I ran third. So uh, we ran pretty good there the last time we were there, and uh, hopefully pick up where we left off. Dave, again, congrats. The fans here at the Big R loved it, and hopefully we'll see you guys back here next year. Thank you. Appreciate it. There is your winner from Friday night at the Ransomville Speedway, David Gravel, driver out of Connecticut. We had him on the program last year leading up to the original date for the Outlaws event at Ransomville that eventually was rained out and forced the race to be postponed until October. So Gravel got the win, but Brad Sweet came home second and also had a chance to catch up with Brad Sweet after the race on Friday night. Brad, I know you would have preferred the W tonight, but the fans here at the Ransomville Speedway certainly got a show between you and David going back and forth there for the win. Very entertaining race tonight. Yeah, that was good. Uh, I'm glad the fans enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, we were close. Uh, I can't complain too much for running second, but, um, you know, car's been fast. We got a lot of uh, good races coming up, and tonight we just were a little bit short. Probably didn't need that caution on lap 18. It would have been nice to kind of stay in lap traffic there and, and see if we couldn't have uh, got around Dave, but he did a nice job kind of getting through a couple of those ones and, that we struggled with, and, um, you know, uh, they got the win tonight, and we, got, we come home second, so uh, we'll move on to the next one. The weather here tonight, very different from when you guys were here in October. David said it didn't matter. He thought the track conditions were similar when you guys were here last October. Would you agree with that, or did you think it was different? Uh, I would say they were similar. I wouldn't say they were exactly the same. I think tonight was a, a little bit slower. Um, it had a little less grip, um, you know, just because of the, the warmer conditions. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but, I mean, it did race similar. It's still a very fast racetrack for, you know, the shape and the, the size of it. It doesn't look like it's going to be that fast, but it, you actually uh, run really fast around here. Now that you've been on this track a couple of times, what is maybe the most unique a aspect here at Ransomville? Um, I don't know. I mean, the lighting, you know, hopefully, you know, I'm not I'm not being disrespectful at sure. all, but uh, over, the, over the next few years, I, I know the owner's trying to improve the facility, so uh, obviously I hope the lighting gets a little bit better, but um, other than that, I mean, it's it does a, the, the track actually itself uh, races very well once it, you know, got, got like it did in the AMA and it got very two grooves mm. and, and uh, you know, I mean, if, as long as it can be slick and wide, that's all we can ask for in racetracks. Uh, you know, it's, you got to work on your car and, and the driver, usually the best driver prevails. Is this the most grueling part of your season? I mean, you come off Kings Royal a couple weeks ago at Eldora. You've got Knoxville coming up here next week. Is this like the, the hardest part of your schedule? Yeah, I don't know if it's the hardest. It's, the, it's definitely the most intense part of the yeah. season. Uh, you know, probably coming here is in the middle of like the Kings Royal and the Knoxville Nationals. Like, you know, it's a it's a type of racetrack that we can try things, and it's, mm. that you know, there's a lot less competition here. Uh, you know, from what we're going to see in the next few weeks. So, um, you know, but 
it's hard to, to lose focus of the, the big races that are coming up, you know, so our, our minds are there a little bit and you, you just kind of run through some of these nights and, and try to take good notes and, and get your car a little bit better, but your, your mind's kind of on Knoxville right now. Uh, it's two <laughs> weeks out, it's 150000 to win, sure. and uh, we feel like we're, you know, we're one of the, the guys that can win it, so uh, we're, we're pretty focused on that, so every night, you know, we get done racing, we're, we're kind of already talking about what we learned tonight, what we can apply for Knoxville and, and looking at that. How about your uh, car owner, Casey Kane? He's doing some sprint car racing now that he, he's got a new deal in, in, with the cup stuff. He's doing some more sprint car racing. Uh, what's it like uh, not only driving for Casey but racing for him against him a little bit this year? Yeah, it's, it's fun. He's very passionate about sprint cars, and, and he's obviously given me a great opportunity over the years. So, you know, we're just great friends. Uh, we just, you know, we love this sport and love talking about these things. Uh, <laughs> it, it pretty much consumes our whole life. So, uh, you know, he's he's a great car owner. Uh, when he comes and races with us, uh, you know, you can just see the the fun he's having, the passion he has, and he's a he has tinkeritis, which is basically likes to work on the car, you know, and, and keep trying stuff too much. But you know, he just has a blast doing it. Brett, thanks for the time. Uh, hopefully, the fans here at Ransville can see you again next year. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. There is Brad Sweet, runner-up Friday night at the Ransville Speedway in the Big R Outlaw Showdown. He had Casey Kane doing some more sprint car racing this year. Now that he's uh, with the uh, LFR uh, Levine Family Racing Team uh, when he was with Hendrick. I, I think his contract kind of forbid him from doing really any sprint car racing, even on off weeks or in the off season. Uh, but Casey has run a few races this year. Uh, and, and, of course, he's one of those guys like Kyle Larson and uh, Tony Stewart, of course, those guys that grew up in sprint car racing, Ricky Stenhouse and other uh, that love if, if the opportunity uh, makes itself available to uh, jump in a sprint car, whether it's midweek show or an off weekend from the Cup Series or, or during the off season. Uh, Casey's one of those guys, but his, his opportunities have been limited uh, a little bit more uh, during his years with Hendrick. But he's obviously uh, he's run a few more races this year than he has in the past. So uh, great to catch up with those guys. Uh, a phenomenal show, and uh, I, that is uh, one of the the best uh, products in short track racing in this country. And as we kind of talked about Craig Kinzer last week and the Outlaws, and you know the there's how they can turn their drivers into stars, and you know it it almost has like a, a to an extent, a NASCAR type atmosphere. When you go see a World of Outlaws event, they've got all the you know they got the merchandise haulers, uh, the the post race interaction with the fans going back to the pits and just I mean when I talked to David, he had a stream of people coming up for autographs while we were talking to him, and I appreciated David taking the time, but he also wanted to sign some autographs for the fans that were lined up, and uh, definitely a, a lot of fun, and it's a, it's a big show when they come to town, and I, I'm sure. Pretty sure that uh, they'll be back at Ranceville in 2019 as uh, the folks from World Racing Group were there uh, on Friday night, uh, you know, monitoring as, as co-promoters of the event. And uh, I think uh, they're pretty happy with how things turned out at Ransomville uh, on Friday night. Uh, 803-0551-888-550-2550. Uh, phone lines are open here uh, off the bat. Uh, plenty of other racing going on as we, we talked about the top of the show. Formula One wrapping up this morning. They were at Hungary. Uh, for the Hungarian Grand Prix, and another win for Lewis Hamilton. Uh, pretty much uh, cruised to this one, uh, as he had a large margin by the end of the race to uh, pick up another victory here in 2018. Sebastian Vettel wound up second after a little bit of contact with Valtteri Bottas, uh, passing him for second late in the race. They made contact, and uh, the front wing on Bottas's car was broke, so Vettel wound up second, right, Kimi Raikkonen in third, Daniel Ricciardo fourth, and Bottas had to settle for a fifth-place finish. Uh, Pierre Gasly, Kevin Magnussen, Fernando Alonso, Carlos Sainz, and Roman Grosjean rounded out the top ten in Hungary, so two top ten finishes 
uh, for the uh, Haas F1 team. IndyCar in mid-Ohio today. And on the poll will be Alexander Rossi. He'll be joined by Will Power on the front row. Then Ryan Hunter-Ray, Joseph Newgarden in row two. Robert Wickens, Max Chilton in row three. Graham Rahal, Takuma Sato. Scott Dixon and James Hinchcliffe uh, rounding out the uh, top ten starters today at Mid-Ohio for the IndyCar. Pretty interesting. It, two, the two drivers that maybe are the greatest driver in the current generation for their respective series, both are reaching uh, career milestones today. You've got an IndyCar, Scott Dixon making his 300th career start, and then in the Cup Series in NASCAR, Jimmy Johnson making his 600th career start today. So I thought that it's an interesting thing that uh, today that the you know Dixon you know maybe outside of maybe you know when it comes to number of championships at least uh you know he and Will Power probably have been the the greatest drivers in the current generation of IndyCar racing but Dixon maybe just a slight step above a, a Power just based on number of championships and then of course Jimmy Johnson without a doubt the greatest driver of this current generation in cup racing with his seven championships but both of them kind of reaching this unique milestone in their careers today with Dixon getting career start 300 whereas it'll be a uh, career start number 600 for Jimmy Johnson and you know while both drivers are, are similar in age obviously the NASCAR drivers run a lot more races in a season versus uh, the IndyCar drivers. That's why Jimmy has double the number of starts that, uh, than Dixie does with the IndyCar series. But still cool that both of these drivers uh, get reaching these career milestones uh, on the same day. And, of course, Jimmy's uh, even more interesting because they all came with the 48 team, and they've all come with uh, Lowe's as the sponsor. And, uh, obviously, uh, Jimmy's uh, in his final year with Lowe's uh, on the hood of the 48 car as they'll be in search of a, a new sponsor for 2018. But you've got IndyCar today and then uh, NHRA out in Sonoma. There's their West Coast swing is underway. Uh, Clay Milliken, the number one qualifier in top field. Courtney Force, uh, top qualifier in funny car. Pro, stick, pro stock, <laughs> Greg Anderson and Eddie Krawick, uh, number one in pro stock motorcycle today. Uh, at NHRA as they're out in Sonoma. Speaking of uh, Sonoma in California, going back to IndyCar, uh, a couple of weeks ago, some interesting IndyCar schedule news. Uh, the final race on the IndyCar schedule for next year going to change going from one California road course to another. Uh, apparently the iconic Laguna Seca Raceway, or now it's, I believe it's called WeatherTech Raceway now, uh, that is going to be on the IndyCar schedule next year. But with that going on the schedule, that means uh, the Sonoma Raceway, uh, which is where the NHRA is this weekend, part of that facility, uh, along with the road course, they have the NHRA uh, drag strip, uh, is going to be off the IndyCar schedule next year. So it, it looks like uh, the season will end at Laguna Seca instead of Sonoma next year for IndyCar. Uh, another change to the IndyCar schedule, uh, they've already announced that Phoenix won't be on the schedule next year. Uh, reportedly, Texas still in negotiation, so it'll be interesting to see what the IndyCar final schedule for 2019 looks once it's all said and done. Uh, I you won't probably won't see more than likely won't see Watkins Glen on it for 2019. But as Michael Printup has said in the past on this show, uh, they are open to negotiating with uh, Jay Fry and the folks at IndyCar and possibly get back on the IndyCar schedule for maybe 2020 or 2021, as uh, they're looking for a little bit better race weekend to uh, instead of Labor Day like they've done the last two years, and which is why they're not on the schedule this year. But if they can find a better date. Uh, to possibly have uh, the Indy cars back at Watkins Glen International, as uh, unfortunately that won't be the case this year. And disappointed after you know doing the live show for the uh, Indy car race the last two years, disappointed we won't have that opportunity Labor Day weekend. But we will be live again next weekend at Watkins Glen, and that's going to be a two-hour show, 10 a.m. to 12 noon, and. 
uh, pumped. We're going to, I got some, actually, I've got some interviews booked this week that we're going to kind of put on tape to help kind of fill the show next week. Give me a chance if we need to do some running around the property next week. Uh, we'll have that filler in the can just in case to uh, keep the show going. But looking forward to that next week. Coming up next, though, we're going to wrap up this week's edition of Fast Track. We've got the local racing roundup and still more time for your phone calls to 803 0551 888 We wrap up Fast Track here on WGR. Let's find out who visited Victory Lane this weekend. It's time for the local racing roundup on WGR's Fast Track. And we'll go back to Friday night at the Big R. We mentioned, of course, David Gravel got the World of Outlaw A main win. They also had the sportsman on hand, and Dave DiPietro picked up the victory there Friday night at Ransomville, just the two divisions. Lancaster Dragway Friday night. Jimmy Malaire got the win in top eight over Pete Maduri, who we had on the show uh, last week or the week before after his uh, NHRA national event win, uh, Pete returning to his home track, but came up just short in top eight. His dad, though, got the win in top ET. Frank Melvaso won the Supercharged Bounty Hunters. Veteran John McGowan got the Buffalo Street Outlaws X-235 class win. I don't know what that means, but it's a new class. Kale Wishman in Mod ET, Rob Brandell in the Bikes and Sleds, and Tim Markle got his second win in a row in Street ET. Uh, Freedom Motorsports Park Friday night. Phil Vigneri III got the modified win over Billy Van Pelt. Jeremy Wonderling in the Crate Late Models. Don Whiteside got the mini stock win at Freedom on Friday night. Saturday night action will start at the Genesee Speedway, and J.J. Mazur got his first win of the season in the Crate Late Models. Cadillac Dave Conan got the win in the Sportsman over Sarah Johnson and Josh Wilcox. Dave Dubois, another 360 late model win. Kurt Stebbins in the Street Stocks. Cole Soucy in the Mini Stocks. And Bailey Logsdon, another Bandits win at Genesee Speedway on Saturday night. Last night at Lancaster, Tommy Catalano and Timmy Catalano plays one and two. The brothers going one two in the Sportsman feature. Uh, their mom, Amy Catalano, finished in fifth. Eldon King III got his second straight Race of Champions late model win. Andy Cryan got win number six of the year in the street stocks, and Chris Pennell got his first win of the year in the four cylinders at Lancaster on Saturday night. Coming up this Thursday night at Lancaster, special Thursday night show, the Race of Champions Modified Series will be at Lancaster at 7 o'clock on Thursday with the street stocks and four cylinders, a nice three-division midweek show if you're looking for something to do on Thursday night. Elsewhere on Saturday, Wyoming County National Speedway, uh, Dan Himes in the four cylinders, Brian Hallett in the super sixes, Dan Majak in the super stocks, Ricky Knapp in the sportsman modifieds, Chick Voigt got the vintage car win, Hillside Speedway on Saturday, Jim Lafredo in the street stocks, uh, Michelle Russo in the four cylinder street stocks, Dave Walbert in the TQ midgets, Neil Dietz getting another sportsman win at Hillside on Saturday night, Merrittville Speedway last night, it was Adam Plazic, win number seven in the six cylinders. Jay Moulton getting the uh, duel on the dirt mini stock victory. Win number six of the year for Rob Murray in the Thumber- Thunderstocks. 15-year-old Jacob Dykstra winning the Crate Sprints Action Tour uh, for the 602 Crates. Jay Mallory getting Jordan Costco on the last lap in the Sportsman. And Pete Bicknell finally getting his first win of the year at Merrittville over uh, Ryan Soucy and Scott Wood last night over there in uh, Thorold, Ontario, over at the Merrittville Speedway. So lots of great action. Uh, again, a little bit of rain in the area last night. I know Humberstone had a bit of a rain delay. The rain just skirted around Lancaster last night. It looked like it went just to the north, and then it cleared the back straightaway, and then it just kind of dropped down uh, but probably where the uh, the throughway rest stop is, just behind Lancaster. It might have rained there, but it never really rained that hard at the track last night. 
uh, luckily got the show in. So again, Thursday night, uh, Lancaster with the Race of Champions Bonafide Series. If you're going to the Glen this weekend, uh, Saturday night, Shemung Speedrome, the Race of Champions Modifieds will be there as well too. Plus they've got... Uh, the Ed McGuire Memorial for the Super Stocks, plus the Legends and Bandolero cars. But uh, Saturday night, if you're out at the Glen, stop on over to the Shimung Speedrome for a great show. They're also having a big uh, driver's reunion for the Shimung Speedrome and the old Shangri-La Speedway. And I believe all three Bodine brothers, Brett, Jeff, and uh, Todd Bodine, will all be on hand among the many former drivers, uh, great drivers from that neck of the woods, guys like George Kent, will be there in attendance as well, too. So, again, if you're out that way next weekend, uh, come on over to the Shemung Speedrome on Saturday night and check us out. I am out of time. I apologize to Nate and Sale. Have a great show, and we'll have the NASCAR race again live here in WGR as soon as Sale and Nate are off the air at 2 o'clock. Thanks for listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.